It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. The fourth indictment of former President Donald Trump, the 2024 Republican frontrunner, has been handed up by a grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. It contains dozens of charges in relation to his alleged efforts to overturn the election results in the state. Former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, his former lawyer Rudy Giuliani, among others, 16 others, including them, have also been charged. The former president maintains any communication with Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, was legal. This fake case was brought only to interfere with the upcoming 2024 election, and it should be dropped immediately. How will this all affect the race and the first Republican debate hosted on Fox by Martha McCallum and me? Will former President Trump take to the stage in Milwaukee after saying he would sit the debate out or at least considering it for a conversation on this and more? We bring in our panel. Fox News senior political analyst Juan Williams, Fox News contributor and host of the Ben Dominich podcast, Ben Dominich, and Fox News audio political anchor and Washington correspondent Jared Halpern. Okay, Ben, uh, listen, this indictment uh, and all of the charges in here, if you add all four indictments, you've got 91 charges against the former president. You know, people inside GOP circles, even some people who are not uh, supporting the former president in his race uh, to be president again, are starting to say similar things about being that this is pile on and... uh, It doesn't feel or look good. That said, you know, the substance of each individual charge, uh, they're looking at individually. Yes, uh, obviously, you know, you have to evaluate these things individually and on the merits. And I think that, you know, the the president and his side will have their day day and days in court uh, on all of these different fronts. But there is this feeling, I think, that is setting in among Republican circles that, you know, in in the sense that all roads lead to Trump as the likeliest nominee at this point, uh, that they anticipate a series of legal battles that play out over the coming year uh, that are going to be intense and challenging for the former president, uh, but that also, frankly, you know, contribute to uh, his mindset of himself as being a martyr and a victim and and someone who is only being targeted because of uh, what he stands for as opposed to uh, someone who's being targeted on them on those merits look whether he is able to convince the american people of that though or not is i think the biggest question here you know he can convince republicans and republican voters that he's being targeted because of 
uh, the different uh, work that he did as president, that he's being targeted for partisan reasons, ideological reasons, and the rest. But I don't know that he's going to be able to convince the American people in uh, writ large that that's actually the case. And uh, that's something that I think, you know, is really a, a, a jump ball at this point. It's not something that we know the answer to in any real sense. And as much as we, you know, can look at the at the tea leaves from from various polls and the like at this point, you know, these things have to play out before the voters are going to end up making their decision on that front. And what they decide could determine whether we have a, an election in 2024 uh, that returns a, you know, potentially multiple indicted and, and legally challenged former president to power or whether it's one that actually sweeps Republicans uh, to the to the side of the wall in a way that I think they have not experienced in a long time. You know, namely that if you have a presidential candidate who cannot achieve that level of, of uh, just standard support that you would expect from a major party candidate, uh, that there could be ramifications down ballot that could absolutely be damaging to the party. And I think that this is one of those things where it's just too early to say whether that's something that's going to play out that way or not. Yeah, one one of the things uh, that the former president has said on Truth Social is that now he's going to have a press conference on Monday at uh, Bedminster, his place in New Jersey, in which he is going to lay out, he says, a compelling, complete, um, specific evidence of how the Georgia election was, in fact, rigged. Now... It's interesting. Uh, previous Truth Social posts have said, why didn't the DA bring this these charges earlier? One could obviously ask, why wouldn't you bring forward the evidence of the election being rigged earlier uh, if you had all of these legal cases and opportunities uh, to bring this forth? Why the Monday after being indicted uh, for this, hold this news conference? Well, you know, it's become the Trump show, and it has had a tremendously positive effect on his political uh, fortunes, uh, you know, in the terms of the Republican primary for the 2024 GOP nomination. He's in a stronger position now after being indicted four times than he was, and he was in a strong position initially, don't mistake me, but he's stronger now than he was then. It's incredible. But to your point, uh, if you had a cogent retort to the facts laid out uh, even before the indictment, why didn't you bring it forward? Now, I don't see any cogent retort right now. I All I hear people say is, you know, it's political, you know, it looks like it's all 2024 politics. But just sticking with the facts for a second, why is it that any jury would say, oh, I'm siding with the former president, Mr. Trump, because I see some exculpatory evidence here and it creates sufficient doubt for me to say that the government has failed to make the case? I just don't even hear that from his allies. In fact, what you see now is that so many the the distinguishing point to my mind about the Georgia case is that so many of his cohorts are named in the indictment. Now you have Rudy Giuliani. Now you have Sidney Powell. Now you have Mark Med I mean, I could go on. They're, you know, there you know, 18 so many 18 people plus Trump in this 
So this is a good point that you raised, Brett. You know, you could say that he wants to do it at this point as a political show. He has made a political show of all these indictments, and it has worked for him. But when it comes to courts and threatening witnesses, threatening judges, you know, you got to think at some point that this could fly back on him. Yeah, I want to get specific because I I may have misquoted earlier, um, Jared, uh, in the Truth Social Post. He says, a large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud, which took place in Georgia, is almost complete, is almost complete, and will be presented by me at a major news conference 11 a.m. Monday of next week in Bedminster, New Jersey. Based on the results of this conclusive report... All charges should be dropped against me and others. There will be a complete exoneration. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought to find the riggers, R-I-G-G-E-R-S. And it's not just me who framed that question, Juan. Um, Jared, uh, Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia tweeted out, Uh, The 2020 election in Georgia was not stolen. For nearly three years now, anyone with evidence of fraud has failed to come forward under oath and prove anything in a court of law. Our elections in Georgia are secure, accessible, and fair, and will continue to be as long as I am governor. The future of our country is at stake in 2024, and that must be our focus. Uh, Jared, your thoughts on all of this as it kind of continues to unravel? Well, I have a few thoughts. I think the first one is I imagine there'll be prosecutors watching this big news conference because there are already court orders and charges related to sort of warnings about witness intimidation and and how the former president's able to communicate communicate about this case uh, with uh, potential witnesses. So I, I don't know, you know, how closely that will be an element to what we hear from from Trump on Monday politically. You know, it's fascinating, right? Because look how well Brian Kemp has done in the state of Georgia, right? He is a very popular governor um, who not just beat, but but beat handedly the handpicked challenger that, that the former president uh, put in front of him for his reelection bid, has won the state of Georgia by wide margins. Um, and it seems that if you were trying to win Georgia, which is a state that's going to be important, likely in the, the 2024 election, that's support you'd want as, as a Republican nominee. Um, and so I, I just think there's a lot of fascinating uh, politics in, in Georgia itself, a state that was narrowly won by President Biden, a state that was won not so narrowly by Brian Kemp and a state where, you know, Brian Kemp remains a pretty popular governor, uh, sort of continuing to to have to, you know, talk about this election from from three years ago. Panel, we'll hold it right there. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. As far as the debate next week, obviously we're preparing. Uh, we're preparing two sets of questions, uh, Ben, one with uh, the former president, one without. My guess is that it's a without. Uh, I've had a couple of conversations with him post my interview uh, in late June. Um, 
where I was just trying to get his mindset and had some off-the-record discussions, but I'll give you the general gist, and that is uh, that all his political advisors are telling him there's just not a benefit politically to do it. I thought maybe after this... Can these, I just uh, interject, Brett? Can I yeah. just interject, Brett? That, that interview, which I think we all can agree was phenomenal and is one of the best interviews that's been done with him post his presidency, you had to kind of come out of it and feel like the quality of that interview itself... Uh, was something that would probably recommend against him participating. Is that the way you felt? <laughs> well, you know, at the end of it, I did ask him whether he thought that it was fair. And he said it was tough but fair. It wasn't always, you know, I wouldn't have liked it all, all the whole way, but it was tough but fair. And then afterwards, after the camera went off, he expounded on that and said that he thought he did very well and thought that, um, you know, it was very tough, but but he gave him a, that I gave him a chance to speak. In the days after that, uh, I think more and more people told him that it did not go as well for him, and and then he expressed himself differently about that. I, I think that I'm not sure that was the moment, whether they choose to do it or not, but I do think that the political benefit when he's way up in the polls um, maybe is diminished. That said, I thought after these indictments in Georgia, you never know, and you still never know. But I bet, you, I, you know, the gut feeling is that he's he's not going to be on the stage, but we're going to be prepared either way. Um, it is interesting, though, that the other folks on the stage are essentially been fighting to be the alternative uh, to the former president. No matter what the polls show now, the early states are starting to get a little bit tighter and you're seeing some movement. Chris Christie in a latest poll up to second in New Hampshire. Um you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing, but they're still well behind the former president. Yeah, I, I think that first off, I think it's a mistake for the for the former president to not participate. Uh, and I think that for a number of reasons. But first of all, I would point out that the last time he didn't participate uh, in an, uh, in a debate, it was right before he lost Iowa. And I think that if he had participated in that debate, that things might have turned out differently for him. Uh, I also think that in this sense uh it allows the other candidates uh you know a forum where you know frankly one of them could catch momentum which we have not seen to this point you know obviously ron DeSantis has disappointed not just you know his supporters and and his donors uh, but i think a lot of republicans who you know had very high hopes for him coming off his enormous successes in florida um and he is you know i think without a doubt you know the, the person who uh, of this entire field seems to have uh, the most backing and the most resources in terms of uh, being someone who can take on uh, the former president. But we all know that, you know, momentum comes in, in weird ways sometimes within these races. We can recall the, you know, uh, the moments with, uh, you know, uh, the, the John McCain campaign, you know, for instance, in 2008, uh, you know, when they, you know, we're up against, you know, uh, what looked like a dominant Rudy Giuliani effort and then, uh, you know, caught caught wind and, and really was uh, was able to turn things around in an incredible way. Uh, and so I think that there is, you know, very much a possibility that one of these candidates who's hovering around, you know, the the high single digits, uh, you know, can do that in this debate, can can make a connection with the Republican voters uh, that we do not necessarily anticipate. But, you know, this is that's something that I think, you know, they they have to do for themselves. And what I've seen time and again is there's so many people who want to make 
Donald Trump disappear, his force in politics disappear, but they don't want to have to do the work themselves. They want someone else to do it for them. Uh, and I think that that's not something that is actually going to happen. You have to actually beat him. Uh, and, you know, frankly, you know, the, the only people who at this point seem to be really focused on that, you know, Ron DeSantis to a degree, he's trying to keep uh, those Trump voters, you know, still sympathetic to him. But certainly Chris Christie is someone who is is, uh, you know, is laser focused on that idea. Uh, but, you know, you don't hear that kind of criticism coming from Tim Scott or from, coming from Vivek Ramaswamy or, or some of the other candidates who are in this. Uh, so we'll see how they try to navigate that situation and uh, and what they try to accrue to their benefit on the debate stage. I I personally am looking forward to it uh, because I think debates are always great uh, and fun. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be some some crazy moments because there always is one uh, when these folks <laughs> get on stage together. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I've done eight. This will be the ninth. And wow. uh, the one thing that is constant is that there are a lot of surprises that you never even think about and they become, you know, moments and it's various things. It's usually not the questions. One, if I can prevent it from being about us at all, Martha and I would like to be just steering well, and dude's staying not out of be the on uh, stage to yell at one. So exactly. <laughs> That's right. Remember that? That was, what was that? I South do. Carolina one? Yeah, sure. I was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know um, the, the the theory of all these candidates who will be on stage, and I wish Trump would join them because it would make. I think it would be good for the Republican Party to be honest. I mean, uh, it would increase the size of the audience, but I think it would also allow then some discussion of some you know kind of what looms out there over the party which is if you don't back Trump, uh, then going towards a 2024 general election, you risk losing Trump supporters. And I think that's why a lot of the other people running have been reluctant to directly challenge Trump to Ben's point to take him on to say, I'm going to take him down because you can't wait for someone else to do it. But if you, in fact, allow Trump to remain the dominant player, the man who personifies all about the Republican Party, you put the party in a very weak position going into 24, given swing voters, independent voters, uh, who are watching all of this and seeing that there is a guy running who has been charged in four different jurisdictions, you know, indicted with crimes. Um, and people think, boy, you know, how much could it be? Yeah, maybe it's personal, maybe it's political, but that's a lot. That's a lot, no matter what party you come from. And, you know, right now that Georgia case looks very strong, you know, on a racketeering basis. But then you got the classified documents case in Florida. You got the insurrection case in D.C., the New York case about cover up for the payments to the porn star it's you know i don't know when those all start to break or which case goes first but it's likely that he will be involved in criminal proceedings during the course of the gop primaries and certainly before november 2024 yeah and look august 28th we'll find out from the judge on the january 6th case uh here in dc the request by the prosecution is that that trial starts on January 2nd, Jared, 13 days before the Iowa caucuses. Then there are a series of four, including that one, four in five months, 
trials and likely that the documents case starts in July, just mm -hmm. a couple of weeks before the RNC convention in Milwaukee. Um, Alan Dershowitz today said that he believes that all of the trials will be underway and finished before the election in 2024, like the general election starts, mm -hmm. and that there will be some convictions. That was his prediction. Um, you know, in that environment, that is a big part of it. The Republican Party, Jared, wants to focus on how to beat President Biden. I mean, they see him as incredibly weak. He was in Milwaukee today in which uh, he said this. Let's see. But then when I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which I'm not sure what he was saying there. The bipartisan something, something, something. Point being is that he's weak on the stump, number one. He's weak in the polls, number two. Republicans desperately want to talk about how to beat him, but they're not being able to talk about that that much because all of the oxygen in the room is dealing with the former president. And then the question becomes, who has the bigger advantage if the election is about Trump, right? Because if, if Donald Trump... To your point, and I guess to this prediction from from Alan Dershowitz is sort of in the midst of these trials or maybe some of these trials are wrapped up before November of next year um, and, and Trump is the nominee. The election really becomes about that. And I think a lot of Republicans would like the election to be about President Biden. I think you're going to hear that from most of the Republicans, if not all of the Republicans on the stage next week. Um, and I think if you ask an awful lot of Democrats, they're eager for the election to be about former President Trump. Yeah. And Ben, the question is whether the Republican Party turns. And you mentioned that before. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like it's heading that direction at this point. So something would have to change dramatically, it, either it, legally or politically on the ground in one of these early states. It really doesn't. And, and uh, look, I mean, as much as I you know wish that we didn't have ourselves headed toward a slap fight between Abe Simpson and C. Montgomery Burns. You know, it's one of these situations where I think that, you know, unfortunately, that is that is what seems to be in the cards. And there's a lot of different factors that are going into that. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is is when I when I talk to, you know, a, a lot of supporters who are uh, outside of the D.C. area of uh, of the former president, you know, a lot of them, they speak in terms of this language of kind of rewarding him uh for his service to the country, that they feel like he was able to accomplish a lot, that he was able to deliver a lot when he was president. Uh, but what I would say is that, you know, just evaluating things on the basic, I don't think that's true. I think that in reality, uh, he kind of failed to live up to his promises when it came to draining the swamp, building the wall, you know, preventing the kind of uh, dominance of the deep state that he railed against so so frequently. Uh, but I'm not sure that any of these Republican candidates has been able to convince uh, your average Republican voter that they would do a better job of doing that thing. That's what Ron DeSantis seems to be trying to do. It's what he stresses the most in, in interviews. It's essentially sort of a, a, a uh, you know, I don't oppose uh, the former president. Uh, you know, because of what he promised, I'm promising you that I will deliver where he didn't. Uh, but that really isn't resonating. And uh, and there are all sorts of reasons, I think, that it's not resonating, uh, mm -hmm. in part because I think that people want very much to have a political leader who they view as an avatar for themselves. Uh, and I don't think that uh, the Florida governor has convinced Republican voters that he can do that.
All right, guys, thanks so much. Now for a bit of history. On August 15, 1947, after nearly three decades of protest, mainly led by Mahatma Gandhi, India achieved independence from the British Empire. The movement ended nearly 200 years of British rule, starting with the East India Company rule that began in the 1700s. The British province of India was partitioned into two sovereign states, the Dominion of India and the Dominion of Pakistan. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Juan, Ben, and Jared, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.